Welcome to the Fighting for Joy podcast. I'm your host, Jody Blick. My guest today is a local friend of mine. Her name is Laura Rui. We've known each other for a while. I've known her parents and her husband Andrew's parents for quite a few years. And then Eric and I got to know Andrew and Laura really well as a couple when we were in the same small group at church a number of years ago. Unfortunately, these days, we usually just get glimpses into each other's lives on social media or occasionally running into each other around town. So it was a real blessing to spend a long morning together at my house. We had coffee, shed tears, we prayed, we caught up, and of course, we've recorded this episode for you. When I asked Laura to be on the podcast, she shared that she's in a tougher season right now. And honestly, that made me want her on the podcast even more. I think it is important to share stories of healing and progress, and we also need examples of people who are fighting for joy in the midst of the storm and in the middle of darker days. And like I told Laura, I think her tenderness, honesty, and current struggles are an asset as she shares her story. It gives you as the listener a look into how she is fighting for joy in the midst of her brokenness. I hope you are inspired and helped by Laura. It's brave to say, we are still trying to figure that out, or I'm not quite sure how this is going to work out for us yet. But you will hear that God is teaching her some amazing things, and I know you will be encouraged by our conversation. So welcome my sweet friend, Laura. Well, let's um, start by just having you introduce yourself and just tell a little bit about your family and what your daily life looks like. Yeah, so I am Laura, and I'm married to Andrew. We've been married for about 10 years. He is an electrician, and we live on a little farm, and our boys are Tabalo. He is six, and Amit, he is five. I have the privilege of homeschooling my boys, so we that's kind of what our day-to-day looks like, school, mm-hmm. playing, mm-hmm. and I love cooking, so that that's our day-to-day life on our Rui Acre is what we call it. <laughs> I love it. Great. Well, um, as we start, I mean, it'll be hard to be brief, but I would love if you would just walk us through um, just how you got to the place that you're at now, kind of the adoption stories of your two boys. Um, wherever you want to start, you can start from just when you first felt the desire to adopt um, and just we'll flesh out the details as we go, but just um, kind of give us a big picture look at how you got your boys here home to Nebraska with you. Yes. So Andrew and I both knew we always wanted to adopt. Um, and after walking through some infertility at the beginning of our marriage, God made it clear that this was plan A. Hmm. So we were married in 2009. And then in January 2013, we started the adoption process with our first son. Uh, we were matched in June of 2013 with Tabalo, so he, he loves it when I tell the story mm. of where I was sitting when I received an email that said little boy with this picture mm. of this sweet little boy. Uh, then the process was long, many, many things making it that. In January 2015, we visited the Democratic Republic of Congo, which is where Tabalo mm-hmm. was born and where he is from. And we were able, we were there trying to get his U.S. visa, and we had to come home, though. And he didn't come home until June of 2016. Hmm. We honestly, at that point, hadn't known if he was going to come home, Hmm. but of course the Lord did. And Mm -hmm. so he is our energetic little (laughs) six-year-old. He was born with a club foot and vertical talus and drop wrist, and so there's 
lots when we originally received his referral we didn't know if he would walk um anything but he's a vibrant energetic little boy Hmm. and we knew he also was made for siblings (laughs) he Hmm. loves little people um and we knew we weren't done and so just about not even a whole year after he came home we started the adoption Hmm. process again Mm um and it went very quickly we adopted from india and Amit came home just this last year um, in July, July 19th of 2018. He's Mm. now five. He is a sweet, funny, very sarcastic, (laughs) um, loves his mommy. um, Mm. And and once you get to know him, he'll just be your little best friend. Mm. Amit was born um, with no digits, so just just fingers and toes but he does everything loves playing with stickers and writing and mm-hmm. painting and mm-hmm. um running <laughs> so yeah that that is where that's kind of the processes mm-hmm. of our boys i can't believe amit has only been here since this past summer mm-hmm. i feel like he's been with you so much longer um and yes it is amazing to watch um like i said on social media just the, uh, the ways that your boys have adapted and the things that they can do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, and I can tell they love their mommy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, well, yeah, so the, that was a long period of waning then, especially with Tabalo, not so mm-hmm. much with Emmett. But mm-hmm. um, what, so as you refre- reflect back um, on that season of waiting, um, what were a couple of things that you learned through that? I mean, waning is so countercultural so uncomfortable um what did the waning process look like for you the waiting was long and hard but what we learned is that we were always going to be waiting for something next so when we were waiting for Tabalo to come home then we would wait to have surgeries we wait Mm. for his legs to heal Mm. we'd wait for him to walk and run we would wait for him to whatever the next thing was mm-hmm. and omit waiting for the next thing. So what we learned was that the Lord was in all of those things mm. and contentment could be found mm. in the waiting. Good. Yeah, I think that was probably the big- biggest things because even now mm-hmm. we feel like we're in a waiting period for mm-hmm. omit and even Tabala still to attach with us and adjust and mm know how they are loved and their worth in God and our waiting to feel well or whatever waiting for now there's still contentment and joy even in the hard Mm -hmm. that's a that's such a good word Laura because that is I think so often we can be tempted to think when I'm done waiting when I finally get a or b or whatever we're waiting for then I will mm-hmm. have peace or joy or contentment, mm-hmm. but really you're right. Then, then it's the next thing and the right. next thing. And that's just this, this life. And mm-hmm. it's just the way that God works. He's not always on our same time frame. And so waning is a big part of, of this Christian life. 
Um, and sometimes you see that you see that retrospect. I'm not saying when I was right, in it, right. I, I thought, no. <laughs> oh, look, I know I'm going to wait for the next thing, so I'm going to be so content. Yeah. But you asked, yeah, like I mm-hmm. see that now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, as we dive into this conversation about joy and the podcast being called Fighting for Joy, um, I'm I'm wondering what you would say has been um, an enemy of joy for you mm. these past few years. I mean. I don't know if I had to guess, maybe I would say isolation or comparison or mm-hmm. um, what, what is what is one or two things that have really um, hindered maybe your joy? Andrew and I were discussing this and we said the illusion of isolation. Oh, interesting. Because yeah. we know we have a community of believers who've yes. really come alongside and want to. And even though they may not mm-hmm. understand exactly the day-to-day things and the grief that we walk through with feeling the loss of the years of our of our boys that we mm-hmm. didn't have with them mm-hmm. the losses that they're experiencing that I feel you know they just mm-hmm. want to be a baby they want to crawl up in my lap and be a baby in my tummy they've asked for it mm-hmm. and so those conversations are so hard and you know, when I ask my friends, does, does your five-year-old ask this mm-hmm. about death? Does your, like, mm-hmm. da, da, da. they're like, oh, no, I can have that illusion of isolation. Nobody understands mm-hmm. what I'm walking mm-hmm. through. Yeah. Um, so, but it's not that they're not trying. Yes. And it's not that they don't want to be alongside yeah. you. And mm-hmm. it's not that the Lord's not in all of those things, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. So I think we believed at times like, oh, we're so isolated mm-hmm. in this attachment period where no one can come over or all mm-hmm. of those things. Um, so yeah. I think that has been the one that is tries to steal joy. It's mm-hmm. just a lot of lies. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. I can relate. Yeah. I mean, there is when you're going through something hard. Each situation is so individual that it really is true that maybe people don't understand fully or there are other people that want to walk with you and just really will never be able to get it. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that you are alone mm-hmm. or um, or isolated, that people want to learn that mm-hmm. they are trying. Um, there are people around you um, who, you know, I think we just, we, we always kind of long to have other people um who are in the same situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're attracted to people who are like us, who are in the same um, season of life or whatever. But um, thinking outside of the box has really helped me with that, to look for for friendships in unexpected places, mm-hmm. to look and say, I wish this person or this person got it a little bit more, but they don't. And so, mm-hmm. but who is around me? Who mm-hmm. is working hard um, to understand and to be there for me? Um, mm-hmm. So that's good. So how do you how do you and Andrew fight that? I mean... So if that's what you're tempted to believe is that this illusion of isolation, just in any given week, what's something that you do to to fight that lie and to remind yourself, no, I'm not isolated. I'm not alone. We have still really been figuring this out. I think we're at a season right now where we're kind of reevaluating schedule and what does Mm -hmm. the day-to-day look like but something that we have started doing is okay let's invite people over for Mm -hmm. crockpot meals Mm -hmm. on Sundays like instead of eating out and having not meaningful conversations in a restaurant full of people because it's just more difficult to do Mm -hmm. or still just saying we have to meet with people and we've seen everybody's walking through hard things Mm -hmm. as well and so there's areas that people can't understand Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I think we have said just keep doing 
the meeting with others, mm-hmm. even if you would, for me personally, I would rather just mm-hmm. not go anywhere, or do things at times. That's just a yeah. season that I feel like I'm in, mm-hmm. but just keep saying people come to our house, come mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. And that's just a little bit easier practically with the kids and bedtimes and rest times yeah. and, um, new environments and things like mm-hmm. that. But, mm-hmm. and so that has been something very good for us. And we realize that we need, I don't know if we did that well, the first adoption process. And we saw that, Hey, mm-hmm. we didn't really do mm-hmm. this well. Mm-hmm. Let's just make it a part of our lives. Let's yeah. do this. That's, that's helpful, Laura, because when we are in the midst of of difficult circumstances. I think we want others to do the work and mm-hmm. to be the ones reaching out and do the inviting. And And sometimes we do as hard as it is um, and in the midst of our own struggles need to be the ones mm-hmm. to reach out and to do the inviting and to um, have people in our home and to say, I need fellowship and I need community and I mm-hmm. need to be reminded that I'm not alone. So will you come over? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And so yeah. that's good. Um, mm-hmm. I don't want to put you on the spot, but is do you have a passage of scripture or a specific verse or anything mm-hmm. that you maybe run to uh, in God's word during a time like this or when you're tempted to believe a lie where you could just maybe walk us through? What does mm-hmm. that look like? How do you cling to a, a verse or a passage in scripture to help you fight um, a lie like I am alone and nobody will ever get what I'm experiencing right now. Hmm. Yeah. So this season I have told Andrew, what I need is just being in the Psalms. And so Mm -hmm. my daily reading has been like the songs of Jesus by Tim Keller. And Mm -hmm. that's been so helpful because not only, because I'm like, I know what I need to be doing in scripture is also picking it apart. And what does this passage mean? And Mm -hmm. then what is the application? Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like my mind can't even go there in times. And so that's been a helpful resource. But one specifically, um, just in Psalm 27, um, and I've always loved Psalm 27, 4, because it tells me how to do it, like go and sit before the Mm -hmm. Lord and Mm -hmm. gaze on him. And that's all I need. But even more so, um, you know, as David is saying here, he's like, you have been my help. Hmm. And so I know God will be my help. And verse 13, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the hmm. land of the living. Hmm. So there's, there's truth and promises mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So good, Laura. That's so good. Um, well, this is kind of a bigger question and I, and I know it's personal and individual for each child and each family, but, um, hmm. Can you give us a glimpse into just what grief looks like in adoption? So when you read a verse like that, I believe in the goodness of the Lord mm. in the land of the living. Um, that, I mean, that's costly to mm-hmm. say that really, right? Because when you're in the middle of something hard, it can be challenging to um, to hold on to that hope. Um, but there is real grief in, in adoption. Um, can you just share a little bit of what, what does that look like? What do you grieve? What does Andrew grieve? What do the boys grieve? You already mm-hmm. mentioned a little bit about what the boys crave from you mm-hmm. that they mm-hmm. will never have. Um, mm-hmm. But give us a glimpse into that. I think it starts with we see the broken, fallen world. Um, mm-hmm. It's beautiful that we can have a home for these children and that we have children we can love and mm-hmm. laugh with and, you know, giggle with and do fun things with but and because we couldn't have children from our womb and but it all stems from the beginning of something broken Mm -hmm. um poverty 
however the situations were for our mm-hmm. our children's first mm-hmm. families to choose this for them mm-hmm. um, whatever it was that that happened the circumstances surrounding that or for any orphan whatever mm-hmm. circumstances there were circumstances because of the brokenness of the world mm-hmm. so yes it's beautiful because children have home but it stems from brokenness so um that's just hard it's hard you know i i never held mm-hmm. my babies as mm-hmm. a baby mm-hmm. and I I grieve that. I grieve mm-hmm. that with every baby shower invitation, with every mm-hmm. pregnant mom. Um, and the boys grieve that. And they, you know, the boys not only because we chose international adoption and they, they lost their, they lost, they lost a lot of their culture. Mm-hmm. Not that we don't try to implement things in because mm-hmm. we do, because it's important. We tell Tabal, you're Congolese American. Like, mm. be proud of that. Mm-hmm. Amit, you are Indian American. Like it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've lost that. They lost their languages. They've mm-hmm. lost. Mm-hmm. They've lost so much. They lost all the sights, smells, everything from their their home country. And so, mm-hmm. um, so I think for Andrew and I, both of us, we we just lost that time with mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And and as Tabala's been home, it heals. Mm-hmm. But we had to walk that all over again with Amit and mm-hmm. just then our especially Amit he he remembers a lot so he will share many stories and to not have been there with your child when they've walked through whatever they've walked through or even just the simple things I remember when I went and got ice cream and we ate too much and I got sick and you know mm-hmm. that that you weren't there in those moments too um so I think that that is where mm-hmm. the grief in adoption is. Mm-hmm. It is a beautiful picture of the gospel. We mm-hmm. know that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also stems from grief. Mm-hmm. Have you had to, um, I'm guessing, learn about trauma, mm-hmm. um, trauma healing, trauma uh, counseling? I, I mean, what? How is? how are grief and trauma tied together? I mean. Yes. Yeah, I think we are so thankful obviously the lord knew that if we had had children when we wanted to or even brought tabala home when we wanted to we would not have had the amount of classes and training Mm -hmm. that we would now that have prepared us to parent Mm -hmm. and both our boys i will say you know god answered our prayers my prayer every day all the time was god just hold them when i can't Mm -hmm. or have someone there holding them when i can't Mm-hmm. And he answered that. There were people who I can praise the Lord for now mm-hmm. that shaped the way my children can behave now because of the way they were loved when they were little. Mm-hmm. And so it's a huge praise. What a gift, yeah. Um, and, but yes, with, there is much trauma. There's trauma in uprooting a child mm-hmm. to a completely new culture mm-hmm. Um or whatever trauma that they may have experienced before coming into your home or anything like that. So yes, they're very tied together. We mm-hmm. have to grieve, um, mm-hmm. g- you know, grieve the fact that there's been trauma. Yeah. And that, and sometimes for me, um, one of the lies or the loopholes that I can go down is, have we done the right thing? Mm-hmm. Bringing these children to the Midwest where we live, where, you know, they look different and they then uh, do they feel, do they have enough um, around them and all these things just of 
am I creating more trauma, mm-hmm. you know, for my children mm-hmm. when they're older? But God has said, no, Laura, this is what I've commanded you. I've made it very clear to have you where you live right now mm-hmm. um, in the community that you're in. Um, and, and we've sought that. We have even said, okay, are we going to just uproot everything and move? And and God just closed doors over and over and made that very clear. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, um, sometimes when we're dealing with grief or trauma um, in life, God can seem silent. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe we even want to give him the silent treatment, right? Because we're hurt or disappointed. And um, Or, and this is kind of where I've been these past five and a half years, um, prayer just becomes more essential than ever. And mm-hmm. I think all of these responses are normal. I think our prayer lives can ebb and flow, but um, I have found that, you know, crying out to the Lord in raw prayers has, has brought me closer to the Lord in my grief. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really never prayed more in mm-hmm. my life. <laughs> mm-hmm. But as I said, that's not everybody's experience. Um, mm-hmm. So what, what does your prayer life look like during this season? Um, mm-hmm. What have you learned about prayer? Um, maybe just share a little bit about what your prayer life looks like. Yeah, I think praying throughout the day has never been more prevalent than mm-hmm. at this season. And even so with the boys, too, just saying, okay, you know, mm-hmm. let, let's pray about how we respond to one another. Lord, you know, yeah. or just saying, boys, I need to ask forgiveness. So mm-hmm. I'm just going to pray right now. We need to know what that, that yeah. looks like yeah. in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, too, praying, God, just just let me respond. Well, God, just heal his mm-hmm. little heart in this. Um, so it has become... And I think time and energy and um, sleeplessness mm-hmm. at times, now it's not the journaling prayer that I had being, you know, pre-kid. And right, at times right. that feels, is this good enough then where I'm at in prayer? Mm-hmm. But it is too. And it's because it is, like you said, it is more raw. It is praising God for those beautiful sunrises. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Look at boys, how he painted this picture just for yeah. you. Yeah. And, um, so it has become more more minute by minute than mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. What about um, the power of other people's prayers? Mm-hmm. Um, have you guys um, been asking people to pray for you? Did they pray for you mm-hmm. uh, when you were waning um, as you've been adjusting? Um, I mean, back to the topic of just, you know, community and remembering we're not alone and trying to stay mm-hmm. um involved with people when we're tempted to pull away um praying for each other can really um, build community Mm -hmm. um because when we pray together about something i mean then we rejoice together yeah when we see god answer it um Mm -hmm. when we don't receive the answers that we want we Mm -hmm. still get the gift of having our hearts knit together yeah um in the disappointment because we've been we've been praying and, and begging god to do um things together so um what has that looked like for you? Just prayer in community, prayer as a means of mm-hmm. letting people into um, the, your needs, um, your mm-hmm. struggles, um, the boys' needs and struggles. Um, give us a glimpse into that. So first I would say, especially when we were in adoption process with Tabalo and all the ebbs and flows and the unknowns, um, we and we used to just send out an email list that was so mm-hmm. much easier. And I I will just confess, like we're probably not asking for prayer right now, like we should be, mm-hmm. um, because sometimes I I don't even I can't even sit down and write that email anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't even get an update. I think I've given one since Amit's been home. Mm. 
um, because I don't know what to ask for at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but back to, you know, when you said it, people rejoicing with you, praying, being disappointed with you, we had so many beautiful examples of that in all of our adoption processes, the whole church mm-hmm. knowing when we're over on a visit or going somewhere, mm-hmm. um, s- stopping and praying mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. so many people, I think I, I will, I've told to follow and, and I like you were some of the most prayed for little boys mm. that I've ever known. That's special. Yeah. Um, yeah. But probably in this season today, um, in this February, I'll say probably not asking for prayer enough in community like we should be because we're kind of at a point where, um, yeah, I think people have rejoiced with us that Amit is home and the boys seem to be adjusting well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but are we asking, um, we, I mean, we just don't even know what to ask to be prayed yeah, for. Yeah. Well, that's something that, um, I would encourage you to really, um, to think about Laura, mm-hmm. because, um, I, I, I think you're right when it's something big and visible, it's mm-hmm. easy to ask God, yeah. uh, ask others to pray for you, mm-hmm. uh, with, but it's the day to day weariness yeah and the smaller quote-unquote things right <laughs> that um that really um that's maybe where where some of your weariness is coming from right mm-hmm. and so um yeah I know you know for our family the prayers of others um has been crucial and um and helpful and life-giving and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and I still have friends who you know five and a half years after Jackson has died they still text me with how can I pray for you this week specifically in regards to you missing Jackson? Hmm. That's such a gift and that's yeah. rare. And that's not, I don't have 20 people doing that. I maybe have one or two, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. I mean, but what a gift. Um, mm-hmm. And just as a side note for our listeners, I mean, if you're wanting to do something helpful for somebody who's in the midst of something really hard, um, one thing that I've learned is along with saying, I will pray for you, um, maybe you could say, can I pray for you right now? Mm-hmm. And yes. just, I mean, if the situation is appropriate and the timing is appropriate and you're at a place where that's not going to be, you know, mm-hmm. weird. But um, the times that people have said, you know, can I just pray for you right now? Right. Have been such a gift. Yes. I mean, I just feel my body relaxing. I feel my heart getting quieter. And um, it's it's just a real gift. And so, mm-hmm. um, yes, we need to be good about asking people to pray for us and with us mm-hmm. and we need to be the kinds of friends who are looking um to um find ways to pray for yes. those around us especially when we are getting a feeling that they're not doing well but praying together in the moment um over somebody is is just a real a real gift mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um well let's change gears a little bit and talk about social media because um you use that platform to share in beautiful ways Laura mm-hmm. And um, I love following you and and getting glimpses into your life and getting to know a little bit about your boys. Um, It was cute yesterday when you and Tabala were talking about preparing for (laughs) this podcast even. I mean, it's really (laughs) fun um, to follow you on that. You're real and honest and hopeful and encouraging. Um, and I do, I love when you include the hard. I mean, mm-hmm. I think about, were you at the Shriners Hospital? Yes, we were. Mm-hmm. Okay, and had a bunch of doctor's appointments and including that, right? Mm-hmm. And, I, and mm-hmm. I think about, too, your post about when you went ice skating and just 
being vulnerable and sharing that you had maybe some fears that yeah. other moms who mm-hmm. were putting the skates on their little boys and girls feet maybe didn't have. Um, and so I think, I think that's what is connecting people with you, um, mm-hmm. on social media. Um, but I'm wondering, has it helped your fight for joy? I mean, do you, mm-hmm. do you feel like you've found a community there too, of people who get it in a different way, because maybe you can connect with more adoptive moms that mm-hmm. way? Mm-hmm. Or do you feel like it is a joy stealer? Do you feel like it can be lead into comparison and mm-hmm. all kinds of things like that? So how has how has social media um, helped or hindered your fight for joy? Well, you may not remember this, but it's probably been over 10 years ago now. I remember mm-hmm. I posted something like really early in the morning, like, oh, this has been such a terrible day. And you're like, oh, it's like eight o'clock. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And I just remember that as a key moment mm-hmm. in social media use of my words matter as mm-hmm. they go out and how I'm saying for throughout the day. Um, so social media right now in this season has been one to capture the joys of the day so mm-hmm. I can remember because I don't want to capture like, oh, you know, we've gone to the bathroom all over the bathroom floor and there, right. there's no need for right. that for my children. There's right. no need for that for everybody. But, um, you know, capturing that and also um, being able to share in the joy with others. So I think it depends on the day if it's, mm-hmm. if social media has been a joy stealer or something that's life-giving. And honestly, that has been something where you know, regulating, saying, I'm, I'm going to be done at this time of the mm-hmm. day. I'm going to put my phone away. Um, or I'm only going to follow these accounts because they are life-giving and helpful. Mm-hmm. I think there have been a lot that have been, um, you know, finding, just having one of my really good friends who posts a lot of things is always helpful. And just being able to stay in touch with people like with mm-hmm. Marco Polo or just being able to have that community of people who've gone before me who've adopted before me and pouring into me Mm -hmm. through this has been probably a life giver Mm -hmm. okay little side note i have never used marco polo so i use voxer yes it's okay tell me what's marco polo it's like voxer which i used to use with this friend but you get to do video and ah, so that's something that's, I like. Okay. I mean, sh- so my one good friend, she'll just be doing her makeup while talking to me or I'll be cooking and just put it up. And then, but then you get the facial expressions. Yeah. You yeah. Yes. And you can still fast forward. So they talk really fast. Okay. <laughs> because I know it's, I mean, yeah, just time saving yeah. that way. Yeah. It's nice. Oh, that's yeah. good. Okay. I'll have to look into that because I love Voxer, but um, yeah, that's okay. Good. It's a really good one. Yes. Well, yeah. keep sharing. Uh, keep sharing Laura because you are a light um, and it is a privilege for everyone who follows you to um, to get to see your sweet family and mm-hmm. and like you said the joys of of daily life with these with these sweet boys struggles and all right? yeah so, yeah well um, along with social media um, can you think of maybe a couple other things that you have dived into these last few years um, maybe something that's been helpful to you um, at, through the adopting and the adjusting, do you have a gratitude practice or are there particular mm-hmm. types of music or books or do you journal? Just what comes to mind as far as on a daily basis where um, you say, man, this is really helpful to me? Yeah, I would definitely say music. I think having it on even in the background um, in our mm-hmm. house, that has been something that's been very helpful because mm-hmm. 
it will take me to places with the Lord of tears or dancing and joy um, when sometimes it's hard to feel those things. Mm-hmm. But music will will take you there. And reading has, I now I've just been a lot more purposeful about what books I'm going to read. Mm-hmm. If I'm not enjoying it, if it's not life-giving, I can just stop. That's yeah. kind of hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so that has been something that, that has been helpful in trans you know, besides just, just being in the word, mm-hmm. um, those things have been yeah. very helpful. seems like your boys like music too. They do. <laughs> I love they're, when they're they, singing their hearts out. Yes. Amit will sing all the time and, but it's so sweet. As soon as I get the video and he can tell I'm videoing him, he'll be like, mommy, <laughs> stop picturing me. <laughs> oh, that's cute. Okay. Well, I'd like you to kind of put on a teaching hat now, mm-hmm. um, if you're willing. And I would love for you to just spend a few minutes kind of educating us on what's helpful or not helpful mm-hmm. when people want to love you and your boys well. Um, if somebody would see you guys at the park or someplace and they want to ask about your boys or they just want to know how, how to support you, um, Will you just share maybe a few of the most helpful and encouraging things people have done or said um, to you in regards to adoption or in regards mm-hmm. to your boys mm-hmm. and their challenges? Um, and then maybe help us with a few things that aren't helpful that maybe you hear and that you wish you didn't. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think um, first and foremost, questions of any kind in love are helpful. Okay. Even if they're not the perfect thing to say or not. And sometimes it depends on what we're going through if I found that question helpful or not. But if it's, it's done in it. love mm-hmm. and done from honesty and just wanting to know, not out of curiosity because it makes them feel good or something like that, but if they yeah. just, that's that's helpful. Mm-hmm. Um but if we're so, it just also depends on the situation. Um, you know, our boys are really very smart, and so maybe not where are they from because they're going to tell you they're from Hooper. Um, but <laughs> right. you know, where, right. where where were they born? Or you know, if in and the boys also like to be talked to. Mm. So on their level, talk to they like questions. Um, just that engaging with us. Um, but I love it when someone's like, I just want to know more that it might be done better without our children there. Mm-hmm. And Andrew and I are always willing to that. We love that, especially if anyone's interested in adoption. We want to we want to meet. We want to give what we've learned mm-hmm. and any questions that you have and share any advice that, that from our experiences of what we've walked through. Um, and... Yeah, I think educating um, maybe your children to mm-hmm. ask the right questions is helpful. There's so many book resources. There's so many ways to just maybe expose your children to um, other children who who don't look like them, mm-hmm. um, who have other physical differences, um, because mm-hmm. we've just... And those learning experiences, too, when we've had different questions to our boys from children... They, they give an opportunity for us to teach our children how to respond. Mm-hmm. So there have been benefits in that way mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Do you ever have to fight um, bitterness towards people or hurt, whether they've said or done something offensive or maybe they're just indifferent? Maybe you are like, why are you never asking me about mm, yeah. this big thing in my life? I mean, or what? Has that been something you've had to fight? I mean, I, we've talked many times on this podcast already about tears are not the enemy, right? Like right. 
let's cry all we want. Yeah. Let's let ourselves feel all the feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but bitterness is a big enemy to fight. And so has that played into um, into your adoption process at all? Oh, yes, very much so. And um, I think Andrew and I balance each other well in this because we can talk about it. I'm like, I can't. I, I'm, I'm kind of shocked that that person said this or that. Mm-hmm. And, he, and just a reminder, or he'll say the same thing, to give grace, mm-hmm. to understand maybe where they're coming from, or to evaluate my response to that situation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or that comment. A lot of times, too, God's trying to teach me something through that. Um, but yes, we definitely have. It's not, you know, two saying, why, why don't people understand? Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes sense why others don't understand. They haven't walked this same road. I know pre our children, mm-hmm. I said and did things or other people walking through hard things. I've said the wrong things or done yeah. the wrong things. And so God kind of gives us just, he does. He gives us an opportunity to offer grace to others mm-hmm. um, in how they say or what they don't say yeah. or don't do too. Or, um, to educate like so I might take the opportunity to send five or six articles to someone who's just going to be my kid's Sunday school teacher or yeah. tutor or even when yeah. I when I'm with them just hey this is something that you know my my child's brain might not work like everybody else because of the trauma that they've experienced mm-hmm. or you know I mean, and the thing is, both of our boys are different, too. Mm-hmm. Tabala is going to talk to you about things. Amit's not going to talk to you about things. And so the way that they might handle their physical differences are also going to change, too. Yeah. 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 That's good, Laura. I, I see a lot of parallels um, between just what you've just said mm-hmm. and how we have experienced um, some of these same things in grief mm-hmm. and just... Um, you, I love that you said just any kind of question is is welcome. And mm-hmm. and we felt like that in grief too. Just, you know, say something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. so we, we can start anywhere. We can, you know. But um, sometimes the the hardest thing for me is just when, when people don't say anything. Um, mm-hmm. Because you're right. We can instruct. We can teach. We can help them to say, okay, well, maybe say it like this. Or maybe look right. at it like this. But they're... Um, just when they say something and start the conversation, it just shows that they really care and they right. are trying. And um, extending grace is easier when you know that they're they care right. and they just don't mm-hmm. know, you know. But they're trying. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you touched on it a little bit in your introduction. You've been talking about him all throughout um, the conversation. But you're married to Andrew, mm-hmm. um, and you said ten years, right? Yes. Well, November. So he, okay. he he's always so not quite just nine. <laughs> <Okay>. no. <laughs> Well, I remember setting the church up for your mm-hmm. wedding and um, and the special times um, in small group, uh, seeing you guys start out in marriage. Um, but in most marriages, I mean, we just have no idea what we're committing to when we right. say I do mm-hmm. and when we say uh, for better or worse. Um, and difficult circumstances in this world um, just can put a strain on marriage. Mm-hmm. Um and it can also bring a new sense of love and appreciation for mm. our spouse, mm-hmm. um, seeing them trust in the Lord in new ways or serve our families in new ways. Um, it's another both and, mm-hmm. right, in the Very midst of, so. of hard stuff. So would you be comfortable maybe sharing about a few ways that your marriage has either suffered or grown or both through mm-hmm. the adoption process? Yeah, I think um, even in this last few months, we've kind of said this is 
been our hardest season of marriage Mm -hmm. um, that we've probably ever walked through. But not, and now that we, I mean, probably in the last few years, like we said, I mean, parenting, instant parenting a four-year-old, instant parenting another four-and-a-half-year-old, like when both boys came home, those were their ages, and, um, but too, even though it's been hard, it's also seen some of the, the most growth that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. Andrew and I are very similar in our personalities. When we were first married, we're both like kind of passive aggressive, <laughs> not helpful in growth. Um, I think we both saw that. We saw that we were always kind of just fine. And, you know, um, but some of these more rock bottoms and hard mm-hmm. times with, you know, just health and taking care of children and sleeplessness and ministry. And those have been also very growing times. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had to say, okay, we need dates. We need this. Mm-hmm. We need this. Um, but I've seen Andrew just as a man of God saying, okay, what was working isn't, so we're going to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to seek the Lord in this way, even though I never felt that that was my natural gifting. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this and this and this, you know, reading God's word, memorizing God's scripture, just seeing growth in him. And he has probably got to be the best dad in mm-hmm. the world um, in the way that he, he does things and, and the way that he'll practically love me. Um, he never cleaned a toilet in our house for like the first <laughs> nine years of marriage. But in the last months, he's been doing that mm-hmm. to love and care mm-hmm. for me in that way. And he, I, you know, I've told him over, you have no idea how much that speaks to me and mm-hmm. loves me. Um, so, and we did marriage counseling because we just knew we were, we were okay. Um, but we wanted to thrive. And that was pre-Tabalo coming home and that was the best thing ever (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. because had we not done that you know being able to just dive into Mm. to some deeper things or knowing how both of us were raised just affected the way that we loved each other or Mm -hmm. or the things that we did good and bad in our marriage and Mm -hmm. um so yeah grief absolutely changes marriage and we could become strangers in the night if we didn't fight for things. And there have been seasons where that's been so, where we're just kind of like, get up, do the next thing. Mm-hmm. And that might be a few days at a time or a week. And then we're like, okay, no, we, we need this, mm-hmm. this, and this um, to be able to, to thrive. Mm-hmm. That's good, Laura. That's good. Well, um, here's a question for you. What about fear? Hmm. Um, how does that play into your life? Um, what does that look like for you as you parent your boys, as you think about their future, hmm. maybe even tied into your marriage as we just t- finished talking about that, but just how do you find joy in the midst of real fear? Yeah. Um, fight, fighting the lies and also having the bigger picture that God is sovereign over all things. Um, because I get into a lot of the things of what I can't control. Mm-hmm. Um, I have fears of, yeah, both my boys with their physical differences for Tabala with the color of his skin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So we have to do a lot of educating in our home mm-hmm. and for ourselves. We know we have much to learn still. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that's important. And then also so much prayer. Like, God, we know that you're over these things. Um, and Andrew and I kind of need to talk through them out loud. Otherwise, um, I can let fear very much so control my actions. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't, you know, just like you said, I don't want to go ice skating with my kids. What if, what if the ice skates don't fit his prosthetic foot? What if, um, mm-hmm. you know, Tabalo's legs are going to hurt? I don't want to go to the trampoline park. Like, I know, and, you know, but the joy even in trying those things or mm-hmm. saying like it's it's okay you have to you just kind of have to do some things even when you don't feel like it because feelings aren't truth mm-hmm. um and so combating the lies understanding and saying god not only do i say i understand your sovereignty because i think i say that a lot but there are definitely times where i'm not believing it mm-hmm. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and so then i say if i say i'm going to do this god let me act upon that and mm-hmm. um yeah I don't know if that makes sense yeah that's yeah. good that's <laughs> yeah. good well and I think you and I have both we've seen um really hard things and mm-hmm. so we know I mean I think a lot of times we can have these fears that are unfounded what right. if what if what if right. but I mean for me I mean I know I one of my kids can go out with friends and not ever come home Right. Mm -hmm. So that is so when I when I when that fear creeps in now for my other kids, it's a grounded real fear. I mean, I I know that is a possibility. Um, And for you, I'm sure you have gone places where things didn't go well. Right. And you came home in tears and I don't this didn't go well. So then to go to the next thing of, okay, I know there's a real possibility this couldn't go end well. Right. Um, And so they are real fears, but you're right. I mean, just not borrowing trouble from tomorrow, Mm -hmm. trusting in God's sovereignty, Mm -hmm. trying things, helping our kids learn that um, there is real fear. There are, there are things that are, that are scary and, Mm -hmm. and bad things can happen. And yet, um, you know, striving to, to still live and, um, Mm -hmm. And to um, to take uh, measured risks, and um, it's it's both. It's hard mm-hmm. and necessary, and yet um, really, really hard. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this conversation has been really good, mm. Laura. Um, you you just have um, such a sweet spirit and a beautiful soul, and I'm just I'm really glad that you were willing to come on the podcast and share with me today, and. I'm going to ask you just a few questions as we as we start wrapping up. Um, the first one is in regards to how difficult circumstances change us, and we've mm-hmm. talked talked about it a little bit already. But um, grief has really changed me so much. It's changed our family, our marriage, our kids, mm-hmm. um, our plans, our future, our dreams. Right? I mean, it, it changes a lot. So, um, how are you different um, because of what you've walked through these past few years um, in through adoption yes I think um I think we're still just really walking it right now like this has Mm -hmm. been an unexpected um really hard season Mm -hmm. and I think we're saying um we need help (laughs) in a lot of ways right Mm now Mm -hmm. um I think it's changed just also by I know we kind of talked about this but I can't stand small talk Mm -hmm. um even at the point where um church greeting time and Mm -hmm. um 
do doing things like I'd rather like I because my boys thrive with structure so then sometimes I use that as an excuse in my own mind um to be like well we can't do that because we need this this and this Mm -hmm. and we have to have you know and, and it's a balance but um I think it's changed me where this this is not our home Mm-hmm. And there's much joy in that statement, thinking that this seeing the brokenness of a world on a day-to-day basis, um, and also seeing God's beauty on a day-to-day yeah. basis, yeah, in in the in the boys in the in in our marriage in our home, um, but there is then also kind of a Andrew and I are just talking a lot about. We don't want to grow content with where mm-hmm. we are here. We don't want to create a cush little life with a cozy little mm-hmm. farmhouse. Nothing wrong with yeah. the good things of this world, but we're, we're made for more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and therefore, we want to live in light of eternity. Mm-hmm. So I think, too, but we relate to people who've walked through grief mm-hmm. on such a different level. Yeah. Um. I, I mean, God is really so good in, um, the gifts that he gives us. And so knowing how to use those two, I think he, he created me in a way to feel really deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm thankful for that, but also knowing how to, um, not take on all the grief and see that God has Mm -hmm. that. Mm Mm-hmm. Has mm-hmm. been something that I'm learning, and counseling is good for that. <laughs> it is, yeah. um, and so yeah, I think that yeah, yeah that's great. Answers. That's great. Well, it's obvious through all that you've shared that you pour yourself out um, for your family, and you've got to hit the pillow just exhausted at night because you have served and loved others well. Um, but we all need uh, practical ways to regain our strength, right? Mm-hmm. To gear mm-hmm. back up for the next day. Um, and you sometimes joke on Instagram about how everybody in your house is always needing to touch you all of the time, even your dog, right? <laughs> they do. All of them. <laughs> so on a normal day, you've got to get tired out. Um, and then there are the extra difficult days where you get really tired out, right? That's extra hard work and extra yeah. tiring to fight for joy. So I love asking people how they recharge. Um, what does that look like for you? Yeah, I think we're, you know, as I've said multiple times to you, I, we're at a season where we're saying, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. We're, we're not doing it well. We haven't done it well. I think there's tiny little practical things like putting my phone away, um, reading, like changing our health, um, wh- how we're, what we're consuming and drinking celery juice every morning or, mm-hmm. you know, just finding the tiny things of it's okay to wear that silly face mask and take a bath and make sure that you are purposeful of trying to get enough sleep or mm-hmm. um, even just walking and exercise of some sort um, because we're kind of at a place where we know we haven't done it well. We can't continue this way. But recharging through deep, meaningful conversations, mm-hmm. um, being able to cook good food in mm-hmm. our home, mm-hmm. um, and or sometimes, I mean, watching a movie, you know, mm-hmm. we don't do that very often, and we, when we do, we like to watch anything based on a true story. That's always 
a good fun thing for Andrew and I. Um, mm-hmm. But I think just beginning to find one or two small things and um, like I said, I think those things have been um, in a way saying no mm-hmm. to things and realizing routines and schedules mm-hmm. are good things that mm-hmm. are healthy mm-hmm. um, for me and for our family. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good, Laura. And you're right. It's a process, a constant process of trying to figure out these right. things. Like what does make me feel recharged? Yeah. What does, you know, kind of fill my cup back up? Mm-hmm. And a number of years ago, Eric and I had um, had heard just a practical way to do that is just making a list like an actual yeah. list on paper of when I do these things um, I regain energy or regain mm-hmm. strength or I feel recharged I'm ready for another day um, this these things breathe life into me um, mm-hmm. and then sharing that with somebody mm-hmm. and Eric and I have both done that and then once you share it with the other person making sure that these things are getting done on a regular basis because we can have all of these things and be like I know that you know this or this um, really helped me um, in any given week but we can have then weeks go by where we haven't done those things right right? and so totally do that yeah and (laughs) so to just kind of you know have a partner check in with you and say hey have you um, you know gone out for lunch with a friend lately Mm-hmm. Or have you, um, do you want to go up and take a bath, right? And mm-hmm. and I know some people don't have the gift of somebody um, in their life right now, in their home, um, to do that for them. But you can have, you know, just a friend that you can be accountable with that. Um, it's really uh, uh, just a kind of helpful tool to actually write it down, share it with somebody, and then say, will you check in with me every few weeks and make sure I've done just a couple of these things? Um, yeah. Because it really is helpful in, in pressing on. Well, and I think it's funny because I had a friend ask a few months ago those things, and I think we were just at such a point where I said, I don't even know right. what, what fills my what cup. Would be so, but yeah. your question, when you know, and I kind of read through it, and so now it's I can go tell yeah. Sarah, I can say, hey, yeah. these are, let me give you, give you these things because that's right. Like, yeah. there are times too where we don't even know, and you might need to have someone on the outside who said, I think you do recharge with this mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, Andrew and I having monthly date nights. And so I set up, I set up the babysitters yeah. for a year in advance because grandmas <laughs> have no problem, but you know, I want to respect yeah. their time. So just, yeah, that's a really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we can overthink it too. We can, we, we can yeah. think, oh, yeah. what will really recharge me is, you know, a night out in Omaha with my husband. Well, I mean, yeah, that is a wonderful monthly thing to maybe plan. But what, you know, what are some smaller things too? Like for me, it really is just getting up a half an hour before the kids do and Mm -hmm. making sure that I have coffee and time in prayer or time in talking with Eric or, I mean, those are the littler things too that, um, you know, just really um, help me in in a smaller way too. There's big and small ways that we can recharge. Well, thank you for doing this podcast with me and you love your family and others well and your life and your trust in the Lord um, gives a beautiful testimony to the world that God is a sufficient and suitable refuge Mm -hmm. in this broken world and in hard things and you're focusing on what really matters and fighting for joy in the midst of it and I'm thankful for you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for listening today. I would love for you to find me on social media. 
You can connect with me and others who are listening by finding my Fighting for Joy podcast page on either Facebook or Instagram. You can also reach me at fightingforjoypodcast at gmail.com. Podcasts have been such a lifeline for me these past few years in grief and one of the top ways that my soul is recharged and encouraged on a weekly basis. I truly hope that this podcast will do the same for you.